Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. I'm glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton with Withrow rolls on here on the Outkick Network, which is outkick.com slash watch is where you can find us. Trey Wallace, you can find him in Mobile. Senior Bowl week. Chad mentioned it. The official start to the draft season has arrived. Trey's and, right there. He's at the starting gates. And, ready to go. We've, we've got the we got the shotgun start. Draft season is here. It's amazing. Players are there. Uh, coaches have descended. You've got practices heating up. You've got all everyone everyone checked in. Trey, uh, how are things? Things are good. It, it's been a minute uh, since I joined you guys. A lot has happened in college football uh, since, yes. since, since I last. It's what it is. We don't have to rehash it all. But well, yeah, I mean it's you know it's Senior Bowl week. It, it, it's a it's a big week. Like Chad said, start of draft season. Um, you know, everybody down here, you've got different teams and you've got, you know, fan sites for, for, you know, from the chargers all the way to the jets and the giants. And they're all trying to figure out who's going to be their next defensive back or cornerback. And uh, yeah, a lot of coaches would be getting it down tonight and practices start tomorrow. So it should be an interesting week. Players arriving. You've got the media there as well. I, I've maintained this is uh, just as important, if not more, than the combine. It has become the the hub because you get players in pads. You can play them at different positions, especially the offensive and defensive linemen. Uh, I think all of that matters and comes to account. And you will see draft boards begin to be set when then you can also meet with these guys. And there's no limit on how many teams you can meet with or how often, uh, as far as time I mean, they, scale. I mean. They- yeah, you're right. I mean, you're right. That's one of the things like I, I'm from Mobile. So like I grew up coming to the Senior Bowl, uh, you know, sneaking up to the second floor and getting autographs of players. Yeah. You know, that, that's just what I used to do. Is get, but you're right, though. You, you you don't have a limit for these teams to meet with players. You know, you send an invite. Hey, come up to room 318, whatever. And, and let's sit down and have a conversation or, you know, we can sit down, you know, or a coach. You know, I remember a lot last year where, where Mike Tomlin was on the sideline. Jonathan, you've seen this a lot, where the coach wants a certain player to run a drill again. Right. You know, so he can, he can tell that coach, okay, I want to see him run that play again. So putting back in. like So there is more hands-on here in Mobile than what you see in Indianapolis with the combine, and that's why I think the senior ball is such a big deal. Well, and you get your height, weight, speed, all that, um, hand size, arm, all that comes through as well through the Senior Bowl. Uh, Trey Wallace with us. Shro Moore's the new head coach at Michigan. Not surprised. We had to wait that seven-day period, right, uh, to figure out whenever the everyone was applying for the job. I joked with Davey, and uh, Hudson he should have applied uh, for the Michigan head coaching <laughs> opening when it was open. It's a foregone conclusion. What do you make of the decision to just go with Moore at this stage? And uh, – where where he is now taking over the national championship winning Michigan Wolverines. I mean, you, you, he, he's walking into it. But I think the biggest thing with, with Sharon is the fact that what he did this season with Michigan. I mean, look, okay, does it does it was he the head coach during the week? No, you know, but I, but I think overall this is 
a nice move for Michigan, knowing that they wanted to keep this in-house. They did not want to have an expanded search. They did not want to, you know, two to three weeks. And you have to remember, too, with the calendar the way that it is in college football right now, there were only a certain amount of teams out there that Michigan could go and pluck players from. So the way that we look at it now is – when you're, if you're a Michigan player, it's hard to get into other schools. Why you haven't seen any lot of Michigan players into the portal because of start date classes that, that have already ended. So now I, I think with the hire, I think it settles things down in Arbor for a bit. I think that the administration inside that facility, even though that they wanted to come out and say, look, we tried to offer Jim Harbaugh a contract extension and new money and whatnot. I think they knew all along this was going to be the plan. Um, and, and look, if, if we can make that assumption, Ward Manuel, the AD, can make that assumption. So the fact that it was Sherwin Moore, I, I, I think it's a nice hire. I do. I mean, it, and if it doesn't work, okay, two to three years down the line, if, if this thing doesn't work, you go, you can go find yourself another coach. But at the moment, I, I think with the players and, and who they wanted, the money, you know, having to spend five and a half million dollars on a Big Ten coach at Michigan, that's not a lot. Um, you can allocate that more for supporting staff. You can allocate that to recruiting budgets. So I think Michigan right. is going to be just fine. I, I really do. I think Michigan is going to be just fine, Jonathan. I, I think this was a nice move. And uh, he's already got one up on Ryan Day. He's one to know against Ryan Day. Well, and that's a perfect segue there, Trey, because Ohio State, we know, is going to be fine also. They got the money. They're spending it in IL. They're, they're, they've got the history. I don't know that Ryan Day is going to be okay, though, unless he beats Sharon Moore in Michigan this year. What do you think about all of the pressure coming down really to that one game at the end of the year for Ryan Day? They could lose one or two before that. I don't think they will, but they could lose one or two before that. As long as they beat Michigan, he's likely going to be safe, and they could go unbeaten and then lose to Michigan and he's likely to get fired. What do you think about that pressure on Ryan Day going into the season, given their haul in the transfer portal? Chad, I, I spoke with two head coaches over the last two weeks, and I and I asked them, I said, look, who, who's got the hardest job going into the 24 season besides Kalen DeBoer? Okay, because that's another conversation with Alabama. It's Ryan Day, and it's Ryan Day because of the expectations, because of what they have brought in when it comes to the transfer portal because of what they have done with recruiting, but also the fact they haven't beaten Michigan in a few years. Uh, you, playing for a national championship is something that they expect every single season in Columbus, Ohio. The fact that you're not doing that. And the fact that, look, Ryan Day, he, he, he seems to have had and has had a target on his back ever since he took over in Columbus. And, and what has he really done to take that target off his back. Now, I'm not saying, you know, that 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 Gene Smith was going to fire him after this season or anything along those lines. But if they'd have stumbled during the regular season, you know, two losses during the regular season, then lost to Michigan, we might be having a different conversation here. And and I will say this, and this is very big for Ohio State. Ohio State hired Ross Bjork two weeks ago to become their new athletic director. Go look at the hires and fires that Ross Bjork has made over the last four to five years. That, that is key to me. When he takes over in July, Ryan Day is not going to have a long leash, in my opinion, when it comes to Ross Bjork and his future and what he wants to do with Ohio State. So if you stumble 
next season, and we know what the schedule looks like. If you stumble during the regular season, you drop that game to Sharon Moore in Michigan in Columbus to end it, and you don't make, you know, let's just say you make the playoffs, okay? But you get dropped in the semi, not in the semifinal, the quarterfinals. Something like that happens. Ohio State could be a job that opens up next year. And I just think with all the talent that they have coming back, everything that they have done in the transfer portal, this just feels like this is the season where it's all or nothing for Ohio State. And if he doesn't get it done, I think some tough decisions are going to have to be made in Columbus because there's a number of programs out there that would take Ryan Day. But if you don't live up to that standard that they want in Columbus, Ohio, you got to make a change. We'll see. We knew there were going to be some roster losses at Alabama when, when Nick Saban retired. I, I didn't expect it to reach this level. That They still have that later transfer portal window where they can add guys. But overall, right. Trey, you look at Kalen DeBoer, what are realistic expectations for him, given all they have coming back on offense, which is a lot, but all the defenses losses, transitioning from the greatest coach of all time to Kalen DeBoer, what is realistic to expect, and what do you make of all the losses on that roster for Alabama so far? It's going to blow people's minds, Chad, but 9-3 and three is realistic to me next season. Like 9-3 and three for Alabama is kind of what I'm expecting right now. I know what they have returning. I know what they have returning at quarterback. I know what they have at running back. But when you look at this as a whole right now and the type of offense that he's going to try to run and what you're going to be trying to do on defense, I just feel like this could be that type of season where Alabama fans kind of freak out about the future, but I think they're going to be fine long-term. Like I I do, but I think that they're, I look at that schedule, man, there's three losses on that schedule next year. And I, and I think that with the player, with the play, the number of players leaving, I, that doesn't throw me off as much because when Nick Saban, the greatest coach in college football history, and that's up for argument, leaves your school after over 17 years on the job, you're going to have players that end up just dipping out because they came to school to play for Nick Saban. There are players on that roster and not on the roster right now that went to Alabama, took a lot less money when it comes to NIL, a lot. And 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 I've seen these figures just to be able to play for Nick Saban, just like some of the players are doing right now with Kirby Smart in Georgia. So when you look at the number of players that are gone from that roster, it's not really that surprising to me because when you have that legendary coach and you sign up and you're going to go play for him, and even if you're like a portal player that came in and all of a sudden he's gone, you look at other options. So I I I I think that Kalen DeBoer has done a good job offensive line. I think that was big for him. Uh, you got to protect Jalen Milrow next year. I think some tough decisions are going to have to be made in that quarterback room. And, and that's what stands out to me the most um, is is if if Jalen Milrow is your starter for the, for all of 2024, okay, what's Ty Simpson going to do? You think Ty Simpson's going to hang around in this offense? Ty Simpson's not the type of quarterback that runs a Kalen DeBoer style offense. So I just think after the spring period is over, and and we've seen this with coaching searches and new coaches coming in. I think once that spring portal period opens up. I think you're going to see some more Alabama players leave by design from Kalen DeBoer. And then he goes out and finds some other players as well. And the roster is going to look kind of interesting compared to what it looked like, let's just say a year ago. So it's a, it's an interesting battle that's going on in Tuscaloosa right now. And, and, and the last thing I'll say about Alabama is when's the last time over the last three years, over the last three years, 
when have you seen Alabama's collective come out? And I don't want to say beg because that's not the right word, but promote, advertise, coaches coming out, doing infomercials. I mean, you haven't seen that in a long time, ever. So nil has been around three, four years now. Now you've got coaches every other day going on social media promoting a Alabama. I'm just saying there's a problem right now in Tuscaloosa. How about Will Rogers deciding to enter the portal and jump back in, and now he, he's back at Washington uh, after transferring from Mississippi State. And then uh, I, I believe that they also landed, Jed Fish also landed his top transfer uh, in uh, Williams, I believe is his name. Damon Williams going to Washington yep. as well. What he's been able to do when we saw what happened with DeBoer going, of course, to, to Alabama. Just on the flip side. Well, Jed, well, Jed Fish's big move, and I spoke with some folks in Arizona about this. Jed Fish, what he wanted to do was he wanted to bring 10 players, 15 players, 10 to 15 players from Arizona with him. And the fact that he wasn't able to do that, whether you put that on the Arizona Collective coming out and saying, okay, screw you, you're not taking our entire roster. We're going to pay you up for these guys to stay. That's up for argument. There have been reports out there, and, I, and I've spoken with folks in Tucson about that. But I, I think this works out uh, for what Jeff Fish is going to do on offense with Bill Rogers. And it's not like – and here's the other thing, too. Like, folks are talking about, oh, well, we're, Will Rogers is not good enough, you know, to go play anywhere else. I, I think that once Jeff Fish had a conversation about, hey, this is what we want to run with this offense, I think Will Rogers fits it. He's going to be able to sling the ball around. He's yeah. going to be able to pass it 40 to 50 times a game. And that's what Will, Rod- Will Rogers does. I, he wasn't going to transfer to Alabama, you know, and, 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 and be able to play immediately. So your best bet is stay where I'm comfortable at. And, and that was Washington. Even though you have a new staff, you still get Jed Fish. And Jed Fish is a really good coach. So, I, you know, there was some NIL money that helped out with that as well. But that, that wasn't the main reason he stayed in Washington. The main reason is I think he's going to be the starting quarterback for the Huskies as they transition to the Big Ten. and. You know what? He's going to be a name that we see a lot next year in that new schedule with them joining the the conference and so many out, you know, so many interesting games that Washington's going to play next year. He's going to be leading the charge. Hard hard to imagine that Levy didn't want him to stay. And, yeah, I, I know, and and I've right? spoken. Did he even have a chance? Yeah. I mean, it's one of those. I, I I see that all the time though, where one coach comes in, and you think to yourself, man, why would the quarterback not want to stay for this guy in this yeah, offense? It's the opposite of what he just had. And I feel like with the quarterback position, it's so relationship based that yeah. once their quarterback, once their coach is out, they're gone. Regardless, they don't even really give the next guy a chance. But also, I look at it in the fact that Will Rogers was on campus for what three weeks you know, two weeks, three weeks, how much of a relationship can you really build in that period of time? I know he traveled with them to the sugar bowl. I know that he was with them during the national championship, but what kind of relationship are you really building? You're going there to play football and you're going there to play for a position. I agree. I thought Jeff Levy moved work, blah, blah, blah. But I think Will Rogers just found a spot where he's comfortable at. Who are you most looking forward to watching at the senior bowl this week? I know, uh, Michael Penix Jr., you've got Bo Nix and others beyond the quarterback. Who's and- got huge hands, by the way. Oh, It's one note oh, that I've seen. Michael Penix Jr. has astronomically large hands for a guy who's barely six, six feet, 6'1". Yeah, they're going to love yeah. him at quarterback then, Trey. Let me, let me, let me tell you something. I, I, I saw a picture of Sam Hartman's hair flow a minute ago, <laughs> and I would die for that hair flow. I would. That is absolutely gorgeous. Um, <laughs> if no, you could I, rip I, that look. necklace that has his rib cage – on it, remember he's got the necklace with his actual rib bone on the necklace. Yes. I wonder how much that thing would sell for on eBay. Yeah. 
or if you went to you know uh, uh, Google Shop or wherever people some That's, market play, Facebook Marketplace, I, how much could you get for <laughs> Sam Hartman's rib? That's actually that's an interesting question. I'm not, I might I'm have not to condoning that. I'm not, saying you should, I'm not condoning theft. I'm just thinking if someone were to I, get that. I also I also think it's on the tail of the tape for him. Just hair flow along with the height, weight, speed, hand size, hair flow. I think Colin, our audio tech, is a big enough Notre Dame fan. He would pay <laughs> top dollar for Sam Hartman's ribcage if given if the opportunity. If he gets a phone call from the Mobile County Jail and he's willing to bail me out, I'll take a chance at it. But I'm just saying overall, I look, I, I think look, quarterbacks have always taken the 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 big stage and, and, and I can't watch walk away from that this year because you got Oregon and Washington's quarterbacks here, Bo Nix and Michael Phoenix Jr. Um, two guys that we don't really know what their draft status is. And and to me, you know, I can look at all the projections in the world that we want. But to me, that kind of stands out the most. I, I want to see what I agree. what coaches have to what what coaches have to say about them, and and that's the biggest thing to me. What do NFL coaches actually think about these pair? We've seen them go up against each other twice this year. Now we get to see them kind of on the same team, rotating, practicing together. Um, I, I think the quarterbacks are, are a big deal to me, um, and, and so it's going to be very interesting, especially with Sam Hartman in there. Um, you know, and, and all the, and they all been working out. Like I'll leave it at this too. Like they all been working out. Like you've had Bo Nix, Drake may working out together in mobile leading up to this with QB country and David Morris. Um, I'm very fascinated to see, uh, what we get out of the next couple of days. The game really doesn't mean much. It really doesn't on Saturday, but I will say these next three days are going to be key to me, especially with the wide receivers they have out there. Check out the Trey Wallace podcast available at outkick.com. You can check that out uh, Wednesdays at OutKick, and uh, plenty of info and scoop will be coming from him on the podcast this week. Trey, always great, man. We really appreciate it. We'll catch up soon, and uh, it'll be later this week. We'll, we'll dive into what you've uh, observed and what you've been able to report there. I look forward to it, guys. Have a great week. Good to be back on. Yep, same to you. There's Trey Wallace. Always great talking Outkick. to you, Trey. Com senior college football and Enjoy reporter. being home. That's There's right. no place like home, and, uh, and that's his home. Each day. Even later this week when Trey joins us, outkick.com slash watch is where you go to catch the live stream of the show and any of the shows here on the Outkick Network. You just go to the front page, outkick.com, scroll up. It's that simple. You hit the watch tab, and we are airing live right there each day, 4 o'clock Eastern. You scroll down, you hit watch more on-demand shows, full shows right there, outkick.com slash watch. Chad, alphas and betas of the weekend, and believe it or not, with all the skeptics, all of the Monday morning quarterbacking, Second guessing that's going on. Our alpha to kick things off is Dan Campbell because yep. he is consistent. He is the alpha on the sideline that is not going to consider taking three. He's going to try to pick up the fourth and three. Yeah, and I, I agree with Tank Williams when he says you can't be an absolutist yeah. on things. It's not we're always going for it, fourth and four or less. I joked about those ESPN bowl games for college when, hey, the analytics say right here, uh, fourth and three or less, you go for it. I'm thinking, on your own seven? Uh, early in the game? No, you don't You don't go for it then. It's not a, a, an every-time thing. I, I disagree with the call. I wouldn't have done it if I'm Dan Campbell, but here's why he's an alpha. He made his decision. He wasn't going to let the kicker decide it. He thought his offense had a play they could make. He trusts his offensive coordinator and his offense, and, and rightfully so. They've been very good this year. He didn't back away from it. He didn't go run and hide from the criticism of it. He stood up there at the podium, and he said, it's part of the gig. He said, I do the same thing over again. We go for it on fourth down a lot. I felt good about my offense picking up. We didn't. 
And I do the same thing again. To me, that's an alpha stance when you can stand up, be accountable, and say this is part of the gig is to get the blame when things don't go right when you go for it on fourth down, and that's what's happening right now. He didn't have a problem with it. He didn't complain about it. He took his medicine, and, and he's moving on. That's an alpha move, and Dan Campbell, certainly an alpha. Isn't it interesting, though, the way we view Brandon Staley going for it versus the way we view Dan Campbell? Brandon Staley was known for going for it on fourth down all the time against the Kansas City Chiefs, and he lost games doing it. And we see it from Dan Campbell, and it's, well, he's a man of conviction. Well, I, no, I'll say this. I, I'm one of the few people defending Dan Campbell on this. I, I've seen a lot of people that are crushing him. I've seen people call for his head Well, having done that. And I think, but these are also the same people that love it when he goes for two sure. against the Cowboys, that love it during the season when he's going for fourth down. So... I'm a believer that in certain ways you can have it both ways. You can love it when a guy goes for it in certain situations, and you can hate it in other ones. We can all look at the situation and decide for ourselves. But you can't hate that mentality. And to me, Dan Campbell is more idea than scheme. He's, a, he's an attitude. He's a vibe. He's a way of life. He's not a tactical guy about what offense he's going to run or what defense he's going to run. He's a culture in and of himself, and I like that culture. So I'm okay with him feeding into that culture by going for it on fourth and three. He's the identity. Uh, He's however, an alpha. The, the alpha, like I, I would, it's him and Vrabel that remind, like they're very similar, right? Vrabel's not doing that. No, Vrabel would have kicked him. You know what I mean? Like it's just, it, normally in that, those, the, the makeup of that type of head coach takes the points. And you have like the, the Staley's or the Brian Callahan's or Shanahan or Andy Reid that are going to go for it. I guess it's, it's, it's a very interesting, and he's got Ben Johnson and Ben Johnson came back as his OC at when he could have had a head coaching job last year. He's going to get one this year. Most likely. I mean, it's hard to argue against their offensive play caller too. If you've got, if you've got one in hand that you know is going to work and it has worked, you keep going and, and look, it cost him. It, it came at a price. It cost him a game that they should have won. It also, you know, is a, is a nice price to pay in previous games where he's picking yardage up like that and allowing his team to go down and score or just add more to uh, the, the time of possession category where you're able to milk the clock. Uh, I'm with you. Well, regardless whether you like the call or, oh, or hate it, and I think most people hated it, and I didn't necessarily agree with it. It's an alpha move from an alpha guy. And he stood up there, and he, he took his medicine like an alpha. He didn't hide from it. He said, I would have done it again, and this is all part of it. He's not whining about the criticism. No. Or trying to go back and, and pull a Brandon Staley and say, hey, my defense wasn't the issue today. I don't know if you saw what we did, but when he finally, when we finally heard his voice, he was getting very defensive about the team and not really accepting a lot of accountability. Dan Campbell was the opposite. He's going to take all the blame from his team, yeah, and I, I respect that's that. That's a great point. Uh, like her or hate her, Taylor Swift is an alpha. She's taking over not just the football world, uh, but most recently, yes, the football world where um, you either do like her or hate her. Case in point is post game with fans and you get the, well, both sides and a quick video by. I don't know that we heard the start of that, but this, this was the post from Joshua Sanchez. Uh, who says, this video kind of makes me respect Taylor Swift more for the lack of Fs she gives. Fan yells at the start of that, you did that shit to her. 
And she responds and says, I didn't do anything while ignoring another fan screaming, you're ruining football, (laughs) which also, people, come on. Taylor Swift is not ruining football. Let's chill out a little bit from that. I can understand being annoyed if you're not a Taylor Swift fan with the cutaways of Taylor Swift, which I actually thought they did a a lot less in the AFC Championship game. I I don't recall as much of that going on. But the fact she just calmly turns to someone who says, you did this, and she says, I didn't do anything, and keeps on walking, that's an alpha move. Yeah, like I got to respect Praising it. her and then hating her at the same time. Look this up over the weekend, too, because I was interested. There are eight people that are entertainers that have reached billionaire status, and she is now one of them. And I'm trying to think of the list. Oprah Winfrey, Jay-Z, Kanye West became a billionaire and then lost it. LeBron. He's gone back. LeBron, Michael Jordan are two in sports. Maybe the only two in sports. Um, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg are two directors, producers that reach billionaire status. But Taylor Swift's on that list. She's a billionaire performer and she's getting the spotlight once again. Alpha move. Alpha from Taylor. Well, and now, I mean, how happy are you if you're CBS? I mentioned this is like the dream sequence from last week, Chad, where, you know, the script writers, it, the NFL, of course, but CBS, the year that they've got the Super Bowl, they've end up, they, they will end up with Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl. And she's got that concert in Tokyo the night before, but it sounds like she's going to go to the Super Bowl. And they broke down like the flights and all that, the, the hours it would take, which we can get into. But the <laughs> CBS has the alpha. They end up, they could have had Detroit plus Eminem plus Kid Rock plus whatever. But the, the NFL has tried and tried and tried to get Taylor Swift to perform at halftime. And instead of performing at halftime, she's now just going to they be... get her for free. Well, and by and large, the Super Bowl performers don't get paid either. Uh, but not only for free, but they get her for free all season, practically. And they, the buildup... T- the CBS will likely have Gail King do this sit-down interview with her and Travis Kelsey. You, you can see it now. Um, yeah. They, okay, question for you. Halftime show. Taylor Swift, someone who was... Um, had the stage taken from her early in her career from Kanye West when she won a video okay. and took the acceptance said you shouldn't have won this Beyonce should have won whatever the the Grammy was or VMA I don't even know what it was now but that has had the platform taken from her does she stand in the front of the suite and dance and sing throughout Usher knowing they're likely to cut away to her and show her at some point doing that or does she go into the backdrop for halftime to allow Usher to have his moment for the entire halftime. I think she'll stand and party. And that's in turn going to take some of the spotlight away from Usher. But in turn, you're going to have even more people tune in at halftime. I mean, they're going to crush it. Of course. Just for those cut, cutaways. Look, the Super Bowl is always going to crush it. But well, this, no, no, uh, this mean, is going to help. A 41 to 10 game the is women, by it? the way, yelling, you did this and you're ruining football? I didn't expect well, to hear that from women. Was it the same woman? So uh, You did this. It was I two thought, different women. I thought the one of them meant to... They were yelling it almost as in like, a, you did this, like Kelsey just crushed it. You've done this. Is it's it almost like a, like a praise and a in look, a look what diss. you made me do type thing? Like, oh, you did it? Yeah, you did it. Like, it sounded, how, how did she do anything uh, at the game? She did this to the viewing audience, right? But not to, like, I, I took it as almost Kelsey's been unbelievable. It sounded very angry. Guys, can we play it again and catch the beginning of it to, see, to hear how angry this woman sounded when she said you did this? Oh, let's let's hear Baltimore. it one more time. 
Oh, there's Jackson Mahomes, too, I mean, I heard, in the shadows. No, this. you're right. You're, you're, you're right, yeah. Well, did what? Maybe knocked a drink out of her hand. I, don't, I didn't I don't do know. anything. That's a great response, though, for someone who didn't play in the game at all. I, I didn't do anything. Made them, made them wait for the elevator? They held the elevator like they well, held for Well, I guess coaches. it's a Ravens fan that's down there that's upset. You, d- you showed up, so now the script writers wrote your team into the Super Bowl and not mine? So you, oh, you so in fact, did this? It's on the way this? from the suite to the field. Crazy. I didn't expect to hear that from women, though. The Swifty audience, majority female. I didn't expect to hear women yelling, well, you're ruining you've football. You've been in a suite in Baltimore before. I expected a 62-year-old man <laughs> to yell, you're ruining football. You've been in a suite holder in Baltimore before in M&T. I have. I had slowly, when the game went south for those Ravens fans, I just slowly exited out of the back yeah. and walked They're out. yelling at you too. Chad, yeah. you did this. You did this. What? Ever since this guy got into our suite, the Ravens started playing terrible. He needs to leave. Davey, what do you got? No, I think it was a Chiefs fan. She's like, you're the reason this happened. You're the reason See, they're going back that, to the Super Bowl. I thought Bowl. that too, but she yells, you did this shit. Yeah, I mean, like that's common vernacular for it, it, someone it, it of that sound, age. But it sounded like someone in a courtroom yelling at the It, it did. I think she just wanted to make sure she was heard, and it came across in a very angry tone. I would hate to sit here with that woman sounds like angry, if that was nice. Yeah. If that was praise, can you imagine being on the other end of that? I, actually, can I just, you imagine being that woman's boyfriend or husband? Yeah, I just want to hear this when woman she's sober. Mad? I just want to hear this woman sober. You did this! Chiefs fan living in Baltimore, I, I could see that being how it comes across. Well, or, or living in Baltimore. Or I, just, I mean, I think it's probably somebody from that area. I don't know. Could, could have been a Chiefs fan. Look, be I, a, a, I, want, from, I want to get to the bottom of it and find out. I think that. it's just, just like a wino. I, want to get to the I bottom. think it's a wino at a high-end sweet holder. I think it's probably someone extremely drunk as well. Um, I also want to get to the bottom of the extremely drunk guy in the Lions jersey that jumped through the flame yeah. and caught fire. What's the backstory behind that? He's got a backstory. He's on he's, fire. He's got a, a, a ruptured uh, back. That's what he's got. Ruptured? Fractured? I think you fractured yeah. your back. Uh, you ruptured your spleen. He also did that on that jump. All of those things. Chad, Dalton Connect, Alpha, and he continued. I mean, th- this isn't just from the weekend. This guy steps up and makes play after play, shot after shot. And you described him best with just a confidence level and a swagger when he's got the ball that is, well, it's unmatched right now for his style of play. And then he does it again on the road. He's averaging 32 points per game in true road games this season. That again, true road games, he's averaging 32, averaging 32 points per game. He became the first SEC player to go back-to-back, this was a, a week and a half ago, go back-to-back 35-plus point games since a guy named Shaquille O'Neal did it in 1991 at LSU. He is, he is SEC Player of the Year material. He's probably the front-runner right now. He's going he's to get a look at National Player of the Year. It's probably Zach Eady at Purdue for a second straight year right now. But if Dalton Connect is remotely close to this pace he's on right now, uh, watch out. And here's the best way to describe his game for those that have not seen him. And you will as we get closer to March. You're going to see a lot more of Dalton Connect. Hutton, we saw this in Knoxville watching him live. He plays way taller than he is. There's a command about his game that when he's coming down the court and it's a one-on-one, two-on-two situation, he almost looks like a really tall pitcher that's staring down from yeah, you at a yes, pitcher's mound. Yes. It's like he r- raises up and he becomes a seven-footer even though he's only six foot six, he plays bigger than he is in transition and just always finds a way to get to the basket. Remarkable player. He's been a revelation for Tennessee. They have not had this alpha score ever under Rick Barnes. They've had really good teams, 
Really hardworking teams, good culture, plays good defense. They've had a few star players. They haven't had this. They haven't had a guy you can just get the ball to, clear out, and let him go get fouled or get a bucket to this level. And, and that's Dalton Connect. Certainly an alpha. Made the list this week for us. Beta, uh, BYU's handling of the horns down spelling out on the T-shirts as uh, BYU hosted a matinee against the Texas Longhorns. Of course, you remember the UCF matchup uh, last week where horns down, flashing that after the win. And, well, we know how things escalated after that. It's, it's worse than the middle finger uh, to a Texas fan, Texas player, uh, anyone involved with the university. And, well, you had students that show up. You know, they've got the, the letters on the T-shirts that spell out certain things. Front row, horns down is spelled out. Very well planned. Uh, great job by them for standing in the right spots, Chad, uh, spelling this out. But, well, as uh, the, the game got going, well, um, they were covered up. And, I mean, I think it's soft. It's, you got the guys that you got the guys that uh, show up wearing the horns down. You know that it impacts. This is like this is like the mental game between Kansas City and Baltimore. Well, it's Texas, I think it's gotten to Texas. Texas. Texas is not very good. No, whenever this they, year, this, and I feel like the whole sensitivity to horns down is part of it. If, yes. I, if I'm playing Texas at home a, and I'm a student at the game, I'm getting a horns down chant started. I'm getting a logo going. I'm doing all of it because it's clearly it's, in their head. And Mark Pope who's done very well at BYU. I mean, look, I understand being classy and being the bigger. Don't go so over the top that that's just not who we are here at BYU. You know, those kids that wore the horns down shirt, that's just, we removed them and got rid of those shirts. And, you know, this is a great home home environment, but that's not who we are. This is a week removed from Terrence Shannon Jr., who's been charged with rape in Lawrence, Kansas, playing his first game, his first game on the road at Northwestern, students chanted, no means no, and guilty every time he touched the ball. Do you know if their coach apologized for that? No. He didn't apologize for it. No one was kicked out of the game either. That is far worse than wearing shirts that say horns down when you're playing the Texas Longhorns. This is so overblown. It's such a beta move to care. It's beta for Texas to care. And it's harmless. It's beta for BYU and Mark Pope to apologize for it. It's nothing. It is what you allow it to be. If you just look at it and look away and don't care, it's nothing. It is absolutely nothing. And the quicker Texas people can understand this is not a thing and they start to ignore it, the quicker it goes away. I promise. So this is start the trend of any student students that try to show up doing this that the schools will do it. I mean, it, it. I guess at Mormon schools it'll happen. I well, don't know about to other avoid schools. Any incident like that between the players. Northwestern and the students, doesn't right? care. I mean, yeah, but, but on, if a, if a player is going to go after someone because they wore a horns down shirt, well, that, then that's what they will do. Yeah. Now, if Terrence Shannon Jr. is getting lit from someone about his felony charge because he is contending that he's innocent, and that fight happens, and I'd say okay. Maybe cool it with the no means no chance at the guy, but horns down, you should not care. Zay Flower says it's behind him today. He says that, well, he's not going to let what happened in the AFC Championship game affect him moving forward. He said it was one of the fun, uh, coolest seasons that he's ever been a part of in his football life. He wasn't cool, calm, or collected in that fourth quarter where he has the taunting penalty, which, I mean, this has been on. The ball, the stare down, the shove. I mean, it's it's obvious the flag was coming after a big gain. It reduced it by 15 yards. It was a big penalty. And then he fumbles at uh, the, the one-yard line inside inside the one-yard line. 
inches away from scoring the touchdown, uh, and then punches the bench, the heated benches, and cuts his finger. Where the assumption was that the punch of the football by Sneed cut his finger somehow. No. And then you had Tracy Wolfson with the report that, no, it it was in fact, uh, it was the bench where he's so upset with himself and pouting and crying that he couldn't uh, do anything without slapping the bench with his hand, and it ended up lacerating his finger. Did he re-enter the game? I don't remember seeing him make a catch after that. Uh, They were back on offense at the time. I don't know if he came back in or not. Right after that, they taped it up. They just put a Band-Aid over it. I don't think it was that bad. Um, but after that, they went. They started going to more to Odell Beckham Jr. You know, finally at that. But yeah, beta for that. And it was a, it was a beta oh, beta day for him. Uh, hey, he was five playing well. Fouls. Yeah, he was playing well he was, on the field. He He's a really good player. He's great. Had a great season. He's got a good future ahead of him. But uh, the lesson needs to be learned here. You cannot be an overly emotional thirteen-year-old. When you go play an AFC championship game or when you suited up and play in the NFL, right. you got to play with the right amount of emotion. And that was not it. That was not it from him. That was not it from a lot of the Baltimore Ravens yesterday. And they got punked by the Chiefs for that very reason. I don't, finally, I don't know who decides to go out and just steal a statue. But in Wichita, that's exactly what happened with the Jackie Robinson statue, where it's not just stolen. It's not just like, Picked up somehow, and you know the heavy stat. It's cut off at the feet, at the legs, um, in the, the the thieves that did this overnight at uh, McAdams Park. Um, someone cut it just above Jackie's shoes, hauled it off in a truck, and they've offered what a fifty thousand dollar reward for the actions of these thieves. Uh, what are you doing? Where the part where kids and families gather and learn the history of Jackie Robinson, play baseball. This what is. is this? Um... Why, why, why? This is this is a level of human garbage that uh, we it's, don't see that often, <laughs> of like petty crime that's also crime against the public like this. Um, it's a park for, as you said, families to enjoy and hang out. It's honoring someone universally respected by everyone. Um, you know, this is not like uh, the Baseball city of New York for the man. Well, it's the city of New York's taking down statues of Thomas Jefferson you know, from, from city buildings and stuff, which is also ridiculous. But for a person to go and steal this, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to try to sell it on the black market? You think you're not going to get caught if you try to sell it? Do you post it online and then get caught that way? I, I just really hope whoever did this gets caught. That is my solemn hope in this story. Yeah, they raised 50 grand for the statue. and I mean, I want them to get caught and then have to explain what exactly they were thinking. In stealing the Jackie Robinson statue. Well, and there's more than just. I think the one of the one of the authorities in the city was just like, "Hey, it's more than just money for the reward. This is a sense of of community pride. pride that we're gonna we're gonna go find history. This. Yeah, we're gonna we could find the two that did this uh, of everything. Beta, beta move, no doubt. Coming up, headlines. Plus, that's my quarterback. We we discussed some quarterback play from the NFL season. Straight ahead on Hot Mike. See it there, 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Uh, place was packed for the AFC and NFC Championship games. A great place if you're uh, in Music City visiting. Uh, many do. You got to swing by here. Get the moonshine tasting, check out all the beers on tap, and a perfect place to watch sports. Popular spot. It is. Also popular, Manscaped. Manscaped and uh, Valentine's Day, well, you can be ready, gentlemen. Chad, 
Manscaped gets it done, especially for the wife or girlfriend. I have a poem, some poetry for you. You, you, re- you ready, Hutton? Roses are red, violets are blue. Trim your balls, and your date will thank you. Oh, look, it rhymes, too. Amazing. I'll keep that in mind. Valentine's Day is knocking, and Manscaped is the remedy for what the love doctor ordered. His prescription, the all-new Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, designed to elevate your grooming game and shine like the heartthrob you are. Join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with their exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com to snag 20% off plus free shipping with the code Hot Mike, H-O-T-M-I-C, Hot Mike altogether. The Hero Valentine's Day, the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. The electric trimmer features skin-safe technology, guarding your V-Day treasure against any grooming mishaps. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Hot Mike at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Remember to use that code Hot Mike because your grooming upgrade awaits ready to charm your Valentine's dates just in time for Valentine's Day with Manscaped. Chad is the love doctor. Is that what I'm hearing? The love doctor says. I make prescriptions. That's what I do. I'm not a practicing doctor, but I make prescriptions left and right. I will fill your prescription up is what I'll do as the love doctor. I'm more of a pharmacist, if you will. And I'm prescribing you. I'm prescribing right now the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, prescribing that to everyone with Manscaped. And be sure to use the promo code Hot Mike. Oh, they've got more. T- you got the beard trimmer. You've got the the pro package there. You've got the uh, the nose trimmer as well. There's a lot, a lot oh, of products. That's right. Yes, uh, your balls will thank you. That's what the uh, that's what the love pharmacist has for you. Lots right. of product. Chad, uh, lots of wins for Patrick Mahomes in the postseason. Same could be said for Brock Purdy, for that matter. He's got four wins in his first two seasons, and he's headed to the Super Bowl. And for all the discussion about Detroit, I was locked in on the whole Detroit storyline. San Francisco is built to win a championship. They really are. With just that, their makeup and moxie at all these different positions. I trust Kansas City's defense more. Yeah. I do. But man, there's something about San Francisco that throughout the big portion of the season, they just built a lead and just kept it. Like If not for... The field goal by the Rams with, what, four seconds left that made it a seven-point game instead of a ten-point game, and ultimately it didn't matter. Rams were losing anyway. With Meyer, I believe, that was kicking the extra point. No, the field goal, excuse me. Yeah. If not for that, they would have won every game to that point by double digits of all their wins. Well, and, 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 and just, this is going to be a great game. This is not some, and I thought Baltimore yesterday was a great game from a defensive I mean, they were hitting hard hits, physical. The refs were letting them play early. Kelsey and them, were, they were yapping early, too, and they were letting them play. I think this kind of has that same vibe to it. I yeah, do. Look, we got two weeks to talk about it, so I'll change my mind eight times between now and then. But just initial impression based off what we saw yesterday, the Ravens and Todd Munkin decided they couldn't run against the Chiefs <laughs> is the only thing I can think because their defense is so good, so they decided to do everything else, which I don't really understand. But that was the thinking. The Detroit Lions had no problem running on the San Francisco 49ers. Their offensive line dominated that first half. Now, the Niners locked it in in the second half and got much better, just like the Ravens' defense got much better in the second half. But that's something to note, is when you start to compare defenses in this game, note how the Ravens tried to attack the Chiefs versus how the Lions successfully attacked 
the 49ers front in that game. Something I'll be watching as we start talking about this game. The Lions have been running it well, though. You know, they since they got healthy at the spot, they've been running it well. And this is this is what they've got to do uh, with uh, Sam Fran's got to stop the the Chiefs run. The Chiefs run game's been good. But the, the Chiefs' defense has... I mean, they're coming off a week where Buffalo shredded them on the ground. And I do need to bring up Josh Allen as we're about to get into the quarterback discussion. Because Josh Allen couldn't beat Mahomes again, right? He did everything possible in that game to win against Kansas City. I didn't see, I didn't see those winning plays. I saw some. There were some hero moments by Lamar Jackson. But in just comparing the two in the moment, Allen stepped up and played a much bigger role, even though both end up going home. Allen was far better in his playoff moment against Mahomes. He just was. And what surprised me about... He's kind of forgotten now, and he should be, because again, yeah, you, you win and you're disgust. Yeah, we talk about the winners, right? The winners get all, all the spoils. What surprised me at times with Lamar Jackson, and I even think that Tony Romo kind of reacted this way a couple times, even when he ran, there were times where I thought there was a lot more there on that run play. And he either made the wrong cut or the wrong decision or got tripped up. Yeah. Where I'm thinking, here goes Lamar. He's going to get in the open field and he's so fast, they're not going to catch him. It's going to be a 40 yard gain. And it was a seven yard gain. And their one guy that could get him got him to yeah. the ground. Or 24 instead of 80. And I did think about Josh Allen just in that context. And I think even in the playoffs, how often did we say, boy, Josh Allen didn't get everything he could on that run, on that scramble? where he's picking up third and 12s, where it looks like he should only get three yards and he gets 12 yeah, and goes flying through the air and gets the first down. I, there was a lot left to be desired about Lamar Jackson's performance, is what we're saying. I can't say the same about Josh Allen, Yeah, even though they, both of them suffered the same fate, that they both lose to, to Patrick Mahomes. To the king. Patrick Mahomes, the NFL's quarterback. Here's Davey Hudson with, that's my quarterback. It's my quarterback. All right, Davey, what do we got? Uh, We're going to start off with uh, the conversation is Patrick Mahomes and his legacy. And if Mahomes leads the Chiefs to another Super Bowl win, where will he rank all time? I'm going to go, and this is strictly right now, and only because I've seen the completion of these other careers. Okay, so I want everybody to understand that. This is not a projection. This is, Davey's asking, Win his third Super Bowl at this quick amount of time. Where does he rank all the time? I'm going to go fourth. I think he ranks behind Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Joe Montana. I don't really care which way you rank those two and three, but those two guys. And then I think it's Patrick Mahomes. That's where I'd put him. Now, where do I think ultimately Mahomes gets? I think he gets right there with Brady. By the end of his career, maybe even better than Brady. And he's certainly going to be better than Peyton and Joe Montana. But right now... I'm putting those three guys ahead. Hutton, if simply because I've seen their entire career and know what it is. You know the finished product. Yes. He can end up being number one. I think that, he, that, I think he so, will. Well, He will likely end up being number one at this rate. If I don't it keeps know. up at all. Kelsey's talking about retirement. Yeah. You know, there's some other things there that we... Andy Reid will soon. I mean, again, like there's... You, you keep hearing all this discussion about Andy Reid. Andy Reid's probably retired before Mahomes. At least I would assume so. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot of of distance to travel to be as consistent as Brady with the playoff wins. But here's the thing: over the last how how long was it? Uh, 10, 11 AFC Championship games. It's been several. 
either Brady or Mahomes has been in that yeah. game. He's going to continue to be there because all they do is win. I, Chad, I think you're right about fourth. Um, who's fifth? Because there's Johnny Yu. John Elway. John Elway. Dan Marino. Marino Drew Brees, who never gets mentioned. Yeah. But look at his records. Look at the records that Drew Brees uh, has set. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's I, Mahomes I go at four. Just, it's a pretty easy four. I would too. go Elway or Marino in that, in that fifth spot. But... Johnny Unitas definitely gets some play there. It's a there. pretty easy fourth, yeah. though. Uh, and if he wins, Davey, I think it's I think it's fourth already. Yeah, I think that four-pack is pretty easy to get and to I quick. Th- yeah, I mean, I, I think if he wins, we're talking about how quickly he's climbing the ladder, and, and he's already cut the gap to the two that Chad's mentioned in Montana and, and Manning. He's right there chasing Brady. Tied not- with Manning in playoff wins, two behind Montana, Montana. And if he beats Montana's old team, he's one behind. Yeah. And again, no one's mentioning him chasing those two guys. So, and he's the most legit op- option. And he's the one guy that has every ability to, to end up catching Tom Brady. I, I, I agree. I think he's fourth on my list, and he's going to climb much higher than that with another championship. Yeah, his benefit right now is the fact that his offense is what led to those two Super Bowls, whereas Brady's first three Super Bowls, the defense carried the team. But guys, we'll keep it going along. It's been a fun season. Which quarterback did you enjoy watching the most Chad it it was CJ Stroud for me and it's because of the narrative that surrounded him going into the draft he was thought to be too stupid to play quarterback because of this S2 cognitive test which they ended up apologizing about the company right yeah S1 was that S1 thank you Uh, and and uh, by and large it's a solid measurement that teams use but it it was leaked out there uh, with with the scores along with the others and there was one that was very low and it was it was CJ Stroud and then the way he handled it uh, the fact that Houston ends up taking him, and the fact that they have been atop the draft order for years, three and thirteen season, and well, three thirteen and one, I think they were, and then they end up ending winning the AFC South his rookie season, and he's going to be the most talked about quarterback, uh, not named Aaron Rodgers of the off season. Here we go, buckle up, and I, I can't wait to watch him again because he was spectacular. Call me a glutton for punishment, but the guy I enjoyed watching more than anyone this year was Zach Wilson. <laughs> it was just week to week. Yeah, I love watching a guy who just looked like he shouldn't even get a check to play quarterback in the NFL. I love the Aaron Rodgers storyline. I love seeing Aaron Rodgers' reaction from the sideline when he was there watching Zach Wilson just putter around the football field. I, I got no more joy than watching my man, Zach Wilson, Milf Hunter, play quarterback this year. Yeah. Best part of the season. Championship hunter Patrick Mahomes against, well, roster hunter Brock Purdy. We'll talk about tomorrow.